0: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, January the 31st. And more details have emerged today about how a boy died at a fun fair in Dover. 14-year-old Mackenzie Croxford-Cook was discovered at the site within Pencester Gardens last August. An inquest into his death has been taking place today and our reporter Alex G was there.
2: The coroner's court in Maystone heard how the teenager and a group of friends had gone to Pencester Gardens on the the morning that the funfair was due to open and played on some of the rides. The tragedy centred around one particular ride called Body Counts, which consists of a number of mechanical arms with chairs on them that rotate around an axis. When Mackenzie and his friends were able to get these chairs moving, he told them that he intended to climb to the top. However, when he attempted to do so, he soon became trapped and despite the efforts of his friends and emergency services, he sustained fatal injuries and died at the scene. The tragic incident did raise questions over the security at the event, and a representative of Dover District Council told the court that it was planning on reviewing the security measures outside of operating hours at the funfair.
0: Thanks ever so much, Alex. You can also read his report at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Now, you may well have your children at home tomorrow as teachers in Kent go on strike. It's unclear exactly how many will walk out, but some schools have already advised pupils to learn from home instead, something many of them got used to during the pandemic, while members of the National Education Union are walking out in a dispute over pay. Paul Reynolds is a teacher in the county and also a member of that union, and he's been speaking to our political editor Paul Francis.
2: We are struggling to recruit graduates into specialist areas and keep hold of them as well so we see people retiring um at the top end either through just because that's they've reached the end of their uh, career or through ill health or through stress and I'll come back to that when we talk about workload but um they're they're retiring and we're not replacing at the the bottom year after year the government have missed their recruitment targets they're hitting like 40 percent of their recruitment targets um and the young people that do join us are often dropping out in huge numbers as well so they may be joining but they're dropping out because of the workload, because of the pressure, because the pay is not as good as it could be compared to other graduate jobs. So it's, it's a kind of double-edged sword. It, it, it's, it's the worst of both worlds that uh, we're now being forced into a situation where classes are being taught by non-specialists, particularly the sciences, language, maths. You know, I work in a lovely school. Um, lovely headmaster, doing his absolute utmost to try and balance the books. But we can't, we can't recruit maths teachers. Um, we had a chap retire last summer, and this is a nice school. You just can't get them. So we, we go out and strike really for the head teachers as well because they are fed up with putting out adverts nationally and getting one or two applicants or no applicants. You know, there's no, no head of chemistry we've got here. And this is in a nice school in Kent. You know what what happens in the inner city, where we hear stories of big classes being taught by one specialist uh, maths teacher to sixty pupils or something. It's it's just it's unsustainable. So the government have said quite rightly uh, in Boris Johnson's manifesto for the last election that and new graduate teachers should start on 30,000 pounds. And we thought, great, yeah, that's quite right too. We'll we'll take that. It's it's still not the average graduate salary, 33,000, but at least it's closer. And none of us going through it for the money, you know. Um, We are very passionate people. Um, But if they're gonna get that um, 8% this year, and nine percent next year to make it up to thirty thousand. then us experienced teachers need that as well to keep us in the game because there's lots of colleagues i talk to across the county who are just they've had enough they'll walk away from the profession and these are really good experienced experts in their field and we need to keep them
3: can i ask paul There will be families and parents for whom this will be a disruptive uh, element to their normal weeks. What message have you got for them?
2: Well, absolutely. And we are sorry it's come to this. Um, I can understand uh, parents being angry. You can probably tell from my voice, I'm angry too. We um, don't want to strike we've been trying to negotiate with the government for 10 years about this crisis in recruitment and retention, and they just won't listen. So we went out uh, to our members and balloted them and had this, um, this overwhelming response to strike, a historic response to strike. And it comes back to that strength of feeling that um, yeah, we, we work hard, we feel underpaid and undervalued and 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 just enough is enough i'm sure parents um want their children to be be taught by experts.
0: Now, teachers aren't the only group striking tomorrow. Uni lecturers, civil servants, and railway workers are also taking industrial action. Meantime, the Kent Online podcast has been told firefighters could announce strike action as soon as next week if they don't get a better pay offer. They voted in favour of walkouts yesterday, but have given the government and employers ten days to negotiate. The fire brigade union say some of their members are having to use food banks as they struggle to pay bills. I've been speaking to Joe Weir, who is their representative here in the South East.
1: I'm not surprised that they voted in this way. 88% have voted yes uh, on a 73% turnout. You know, that's nearly nine out of 10 firefighters that have voted yes that have voted. Uh, we've seen falling wages over the past uh, decade or more uh, since 2010, uh, which leaves firefighters nearly 12% behind, uh, which is uh, on average £4,000 behind where they should be in terms of pay. Uh, They're struggling to pay their bills, pay their mortgages uh, and afford generally the basics. So there's just a lot of anger out there and we're not surprised. By the fact that this has come back in the way it has.
0: What's the next step then, Joe, as far as the union is concerned, and possible strike dates being announced?
1: Yeah. So look, firefighters don't take these decisions lightly, uh, and we absolutely want to uh, where possible avoid strikes. You know that's why uh, what we have given is we've given uh, the employers uh, and government ministers an opportunity. So we uh, announced that there will be a ten day delay before we announce strike dates uh, to offer an opportunity. Uh, for the employers and government ministers to make a significantly improved offer uh, that could and can avert this strike action if they were to do so. Look, you know, we we understand uh, what this presents and, and firefighters uh, protect their communities and risk their health and safety every single day of the year. Uh, and so it isn't a decision we take lightly. And we hope that the government uh, and the employers take this offer seriously and come back with an improved offer. Uh, but should that fail uh, or, or should they, you know, decide not to... Uh, uh, take that opportunity and grasp it. Uh, we will announce a series of strike dates uh, over the coming weeks and um, um, moving uh, through the the next period um so that they're likely to be announced post the ninth of uh, February because that's the time that we've given to the employers uh, ten days post our result. So uh, yeah, should should there not be an improved offer, we will announce strike dates on the 9th of February
0: it's been a very long time hasn't it since firefighters took strike action I I do actually remember it (laughs) and I remember you know like the the army being called in and and what have you I mean as a union member how does it make you feel that you're having to to resort to this because as I say it's it's been a very long time since this last happened
1: yeah I don't think anybody's uh uh you know uh Enjoys the thought of going on strike. You know, you join the fire service, you know, we're a humanitarian service. As I say, we spend uh, our days, uh, you know, risking our own lives, our own health and safety to protect and serve our communities. Uh, so I don't think it's anything that you look forward to. It's an absolute last resort. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, as I say, we've suffered 12 years of uh, eroding wages, pay freezes, uh, you know, below inflation pay cuts. Uh, And actually, that now it's become such a point that you have seen that anger expressed in the in the significant waves of firefighters that have voted yes to undertake strike action. So look, no, it doesn't fill me with joy that we could potentially be going out on strike. Um, But I think it's inevitable if the employers and the governments don't actually start listening and taking serious Uh, the problems that firefighters are facing you know we've got reports of firefighters visiting food banks across the UK uh, and in in the 21st century that just is unacceptable Uh, and so they need to offer us a real pay rise uh, that uh, you know closes that gap on what we've lost and I think that finally I'd say look uh, one of the other things that's come out is is that the profession of a firefighter is risky there's been a lot of research recently into cancers and carcinogens uh, and, and firefighters are you know up to four times more likely than the average person of contracting cancer in their lifetime there's huge amounts of studies on it Uh, and i think that actually you know the way they're being treated is is you know, grossly unfair and it needs to be remedied and the government employers need to do that with a significant pay rise.
0: Heading to the Commons and the former Business Secretary Jacob Rees-Mogg has criticised anti-strikes legislation which has now been backed by MPs. He says the bill, aimed at enforcing minimum service levels for some sectors during industrial action, is badly written. It comes ahead of that big strike tomorrow by teaching staff across England and also the walkout by rail workers and civil servants. There's also been a warning of potential queues at the port of Dover today, as thousands of workers in France go out on strike. P&O Ferries said services to Calais could be disrupted. And Eurostar were running a revised timetable. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today: and two teenagers have been charged following a stabbing in Faversham that's left the victim in a serious condition at a London hospital. The 19-year-old was reportedly attacked on St Paul's Avenue last Wednesday. The 17 and 18-year-old suspects are due in court later. Later. A court's heard how a Gravesend dad had to get married sitting in a mobility scooter after suffering life changing injuries in a crash. Policewood was riding his motorcycle along the A20 at Rutum when another biker smashed into him after performing a dangerous wheelie in June 2021. He now faces walking with a limp for the rest of his life. The 25 year old from Sidcup who hit him later broke someone's jaw in a fight. He's been jailed for more than two years and banned from driving. A woman's been banned from driving for a year after her Mercedes was seen weaving across a road near Canterbury. Jamie Cousins was stopped by police on the A28 and admitted she'd been drinking. The 36-year-old from the Kennington part of Ashford was just over the limit and has also got to pay a fine. The Home Office has resumed responsibility for stopping small boats crossing the Channel to Kent after eight months of the Royal Navy being in charge. A new operational command has been set up which will use drones and radar to track those making the dangerous journey. More than 700 staff are also being hired to help deal with the situation. Meantime, it's been claimed today that six in ten of those who crossed the Channel to Kent in small boats last year will be recognised as refugees. The Refugee Council says analysis of Home Office data shows more than 25,000 men, women and children who made the dangerous journey in 2022 would be allowed to stay in the UK. Now, there are calls for a 20 mile per hour speed limit to be imposed along a busy road in Margate, where one resident has had three cars written off. The most recent crash on Dane Valley Road left two men in a serious condition. Let's hear first from Joe Manclark, who's from the Residents Association.
3: There's an ongoing issue with the um, speed of traffic going along this particular road, Dane Valley Road, whilst we've been talking here. Vans, cars are ignoring the speed uh, speed bumps and just going over them at um, at quite a fast uh, rate. Um, as as the residents' association, it's been reported to us of a number of accidents down here and also um, damage to vehicles, parked vehicles. Um, and our residents are just sick of it. They just they want change. They want to to enforce um, uh, things that will encourage people to slow down. Um, and to reduce the risk of damage and harm to individuals Um, as a business association we just want to encourage people to respect others and to create a safe environment for everyone to live in.
0: Hundreds of people have already signed a petition Georgina Bottoman lives on the road. We've had three cars written off outside our house in the last three years and four major accidents outside our house in the last
4: three years as well.
0: And do you worry about your children's safety on the road?
4: Oh, most definitely I worry about my children's safety. Um, yes, some of the accidents were at night, um, but one of them was middle of the day, during the day, and um, we could have easily been getting in out of the car because the van actually landed on my car. Um, another one was, not it was 10 20 at night, um, that's the time we still might be coming home on saturday night we were supposed to go to a party that night and we didn't but we couldn't be coming home with the children that night so although two in the middle of the night two of them are at times when quite easily infected by I do worry with the general speeding down here anyway um at any time my daughter the other day was getting in the car to go to school and she said quick let's get in the car before a car hits our house so it has affected her as well and um, it's definitely something I'm, I'm really concerned about.
0: And what do you think needs to happen to the road to make it safer?
4: We need to reduce the speed most definitely and um, I know there'll be a small percentage still that maybe not quite take a 20 mile an hour speed limit but there'll be those that will still because there are plenty of casual speeders during the day. Um, we also Need other speed control measures, um, possibly chicane, something along those lines. Um, speed cams would be amazing as well, but we need a multimodal approach really. It's not going to be any one thing, it's got to be a big campaign. Um, at the moment, we're pushing for the 20 mile an hour speed limit, but certainly other measures should be considered by both KCC and the police to work together and help us to make it safer. The other concern we have is that we have a short start centre just down here. Um, we have a primary school at the end of the green, so we get children coming this way quite a lot. Um, so it's a high—it's not just any residential road; it's a—it's a road with the high um, children traffic. So a lot of children coming around, um, and
0: could easily be affected by speeding cars. The council have told us that traffic calming is already in place along that stretch. Perhaps you live nearby or travel along that road regularly. We'd like to know what you think. You can post a comment in the story today, or you can message us via our socials. Kent Online reports on the website today. You can see pictures of a £200,000 Bentley after it crashed into a pub in Bexley Heath. It happened at the King's Arms on Broadway over the weekend and one person was taken to hospital. The owners say there is some structural damage to the front of the building. The bosses of a soft play centre have defended it after parents posted pictures online claiming it was filthy and disgusting. Photos of the facility at Ashford Stowers Centre were shared on socials over the weekend. Well, the pictures which you can see at Kent Online today Day show rubbish on the floor, tables left uncleared and what appear to be dust and liquid within a play area. Well, we've contacted Freedom Leisure, which runs the site, and this is what they had to say.
1: We've seen that there have been some concerns over the weekend about our soft play area. We had an extremely busy weekend and due to some staff sickness, we're running at lower than our normal staffing levels. These are not low enough to need to close the facility. And we would like to reassure everyone that we would never open this area without enough staff. We would like to assure our customers that Saturday was an exception to the rule. We have ample regular and recycling bins around the centre, including in the soft play area, enabling our customers to quickly and easily clear their tables.
0: Around 150 comments were made on the original post about this on Facebook. You can also read some of them within the story on Kent Online. New plans showing how a garden town on the edge of Ashford could look in future have been revealed. Follow Kent Online on socials today to see images of Chilmington and green. Planning permission for the 6,000 home development was approved way back in 2014 and some phases as you may know have already been completed while well, the latest development includes shops with flats above, a supermarket, office space and a cafe. Meantime, more than 700 people have objected to plans for a huge housing development which would more than double the size of a village near Maidstone. 950 homes, a new school, sports fields and a community centre could be built on the outskirts of Eccles. But residents. residents. Residents are worried it'll engulf their village and put too much pressure on local infrastructure. Swimming pools at Medway Park Leisure Centre are closed for a second day because of ongoing heating issues. You may recall we mentioned this in the podcast yesterday. Well, lessons have been cancelled after parents complained about children getting too cold last week. Bosses have again apologised and say engineers are working to fix the problem as quickly as possible. Next today, an Kent Theatre that's audience numbers are down 60% compared to before COVID is at risk of closure. Trinity Theatre in Tunbridge, where Wells needs to raise £100,000 after struggling because of lockdowns and the cost of living crisis. Bosses fear the decline in footfall is also because more people are watching streaming services at home and less want to go out since the pandemic. Well, Lucy has been chatting with the theatre's executive director, Nick Mowat.
3: I only joined in November. So I've come into a building that is in a bit of a parlor state, really, to, to some extent. And it's it's not unusual if you look around uh, sort of venues of our kind of size, particularly around the country, and it is that sort of almost perfect storm, really, of post-COVID. Um, and We always talk about post-COVID now, but actually, of course, COVID is still around, um, but sort of post the major part of the pandemic, and that added to which we've got this sort of cost of living crisis, energy prices rising and everything, and it just it's kind of all happened at once, really, and the effect that it's had... Particularly on the box office here over the last year, really, um, has has been immense. So we've just sort of found ourselves in a situation where, uh, you know, we we needed to do something about it, um, and that's what we've done.
0: And as well as obviously rising costs for the theatre itself, with energy bills and things like that, and supplier costs, have you noticed that people are maybe cutting back on going to the theatre? Is a bit of a luxury that people maybe can't afford at the moment.
3: Yeah, I I, I think there's there's two elements to that. I mean, our um, attendances at the moment are down about sixty percent compared to where they were pre-COVID, and that's a huge impact. But I think it's twofold, possibly even threefold. Actually, I think it's um, cost of living. Definitely, people are being much more careful with where they decide to spend their money, and you know that that's not a great surprise really. But I think there's also an element of people still being a little bit nervous at times to come back into venues where they're surrounded by a lot of people, Um, you know, just being in that space when we kind of got out of the habit of just sharing our social time with a lot of other people. Um, But added to that, I think some people have kind of got out of the habit a little bit um, because you know, for those people that have subscription TV services, and we know there's a lot of them around now, and you can see movies very easily and all of that in particular, as obviously we show cinema here, as well as live uh, events. And I think some people will simply got out of the habit of of getting up, getting dressed, going out, you know, going out and having a meal out somewhere perhaps, and then coming to the theatre or coming to the cinema. So I think um, that's also an element of it. Uh, and combined with the other two... Other two things, as I say, is resulting in our audiences generically being down about 60% and the, the impact on the building has just been immense.
0: Yeah, and I understand you had some government grants to help you get through the pandemic when it was at its height during lockdown. And um, but now that's coming to an end. I mean, how much of a help were those grants and, and what interests are you gonna have? What concerns do you have now it's over? Yeah,
3: I mean they, they were a huge help. A lot, a lot of arts organisations they were able to get COVID recovery grants, and, and Trinity was certainly one of those theatres that, that did get money. Um, and it was immensely helpful because if you if you run a business like ours where a lot of your income suddenly just stops overnight. Um, you've still got all the costs. So actually, what happened is the COVID recovery grants very much helped cover those costs at that time. But because the audiences haven't come back, we've had no further support uh, you know, to, to help through the the, you know, the the smaller audiences, if you like. So we get no core funding um from government or arts council or or local authority at all so we say yes we're we're totally reliant on our box office and and grant income which tends to be more project-focused than than sort of just revenue grants, really, to help cover the
1: overheads. Kent Online reports.
0: Tesco has bought Paper Paperchase a short time after it went into administration. The supermarket chain's deal will focus on the brand name and intellectual property, but not its 106 stores. They have branches at Bluewater, Maidstone, Tunbridge Wells and Canterbury. One of the main routes in and out of Whitstable is going to be closed for five weeks for urgent gas works. It started yesterday on Milstrewd Road near the old than It Way Roundabout. A 260 meter section of old metal pipes needs to be replaced with newer plastic ones. Don't forget, you can hear regular travel updates by tuning into our sister radio station, KMFM. A Medway family have had a bit of a shock after finding a dead snake in their back garden. It's thought the four-foot-long python had been dug up by a fox after being buried by its owner next door. We're told he was called Monty and sadly passed away at five years old. The Isle of Sheppey has been highlighted today as one of 21 areas where homes are at risk of falling into the sea. Climate Action Group One Home says the Isle of Grain could also lose properties over the next 80 years. They're calling for more action to make people aware of the dangers and protect the coastline. Meantime, you can head to the website today to see pictures from the time parts of Kent were left underwater. The flood of 1953 was caused by strong winds and a tidal surge in the North Sea and is the worst in history. It caused major damage in Sheerness, Whitstable, Hermbay, Margate and Deal.
1: Kent Online Sports.
0: Maidstone Lioness Alessia Russo could soon become the most expensive female footballer in the world. It's understood Arsenal are thinking of putting in another record bid for the 23-year-old to move from Manchester United. The previous highest fee is £400,000. And it's football transfer deadline day with Gillingham expected to add to their squad before the window closes. They've brought in eight players since the start of the month. In a real turnaround in form as they look to avoid relegation from League Two. Today also marks a year since Neil Harris took over as manager at Priestfield. Well, do check the sports pages of Kent Online for the very latest and we'll have reaction in the podcast for you tomorrow. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to Kent kentonline.co.uk
1: News you can trust
0: This is the Kent Online Podcast